that, um, today's Father's Day, and we are in a series about um, basically talking about the righteousness of God. And uh, you know the verse that we've been, um, that I've been talking about uh, all the time in Ephesians 1, where it talks about being adopted as sons. And I think it just fits in perfectly with the Father's Day today, where we're just going to talk about um, the, our Father, God, and just who He is, uh, what He is, and how He relates to us. And I think we're going to start off by reading Ephesians. The, and I think we must read this every Sunday uh, in the series. Ephesians 1. It says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, according as He has chosen us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before, in, before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. So what he says here is that it was God's plan from before time to adopt man um, unto Him. And uh, that adoption talks about Him being our Father. We should read that in Romans 8, wherein He says that we have received the Spirit whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the very same Spirit by which we cry, Abba, Father, is the Spirit that will raise our bodies up into immortality and give us life even if we've passed away even if you're dead for 10,000 years, you know, uh, God, that spirit will raise you up and give you a, a place wherein, or a body that can see that you have inherited the fullness of God, that you are a son of God. Now, um, with, with, with that in mind, you know, if we, if we come and we make the bold statement that we say, God is our Father, do you know what that implies? Uh, to say God the Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, is not just your Creator, because we can say that He's our Father by design, by um, just the fact that we are created. Like God would be the Father of heaven and earth, because He is the one that made it. If we look at the Greek for the word Father, it talks about one that starts something or gives birth to something, brings something forth. So, we can say God is the father of animals, He's the father of the earth, He's the father of creation, He is the owner of all these things. But when we go deeper into the meaning of father, and we actually come and say that we are uh, 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 His sons according to the, and He will prove sonship according to the adoption that the Bible talks about, it's something completely different. Because what He does is, He didn't just create us, but He actually will adopt us unto Himself, which I will explain more, uh, more about. Um, so if we, if we look at Jesus, and when Jesus came to earth, He came and did something phenomenal. And um, He came and declared God, not just as, uh, not, not like the Old Testament you know, as God my righteousness, or God my provider, or God my healer, or anything like that. He came and declared something that man could never imagine, that was never in the mind of man, and He came as a man, He called God His Father. Now, in the Jewish mind, that was something that is impossible. You can never call God your Father. It would like 
uh, it would be absolute blasphemy to say that. It would be like a Muslim today, um, he cannot call God his father. He says that is impossible. You cannot call God your father. Who are you to say that God is your father? Uh, now, we, um, I, I want to say that the Muslims understand the definition of father in the correct way. That's why it's difficult for them to say that God is your father. Because when you would say God is your father, it actually means that, uh, uh, that we would have in, um, in a family sense that the, the son is a co-owner. You know, everything that belongs to the father belongs to the son. You would actually say the DNA of the father is inside the son and everything that the son is, what the father is, is actually what the son is. And to say that a man is in the equality of God would be something that you cannot imagine. And here Jesus comes, he's born a human in the likeness of sinful flesh, and he comes and calls God his father. That was such blasphemy that the, that the people of that time wanted to stone him for calling God his father. And uh, so when we, when we think of our relationship with God, when we think of who God is, uh, we need to come get away from, like I said in the last two Sundays, from the system wherein we judge ourselves as uh, slaves that just got set free. You know, um, you can be set free by, if, if you've been, uh, uh, if we look at normal war, and different kings and all those kind of things, we can find that these kings, one king can overthrow the kingdom of another king and take all the people as slaves for himself, or they would belong to him now, like with Abraham, you know, when he uh, won the battle against Cedar Laomer, the king of Sodom came to him and said to him, just give me my people back and you can keep the goods. Uh, because it was like, if I've conquered that king, all the people also now belong to me, and uh, many times we've got that mentality with God, that God conquered Satan, Satan was a slave driver, and now we've just got another king, you know, and we are just the subjects of this new king. Which is not the truth. The, the, um, the truth is this, is that our father came and redeemed us from a kingdom system under which we were slaves. That's what he came to do. He came and set us free from that. And now, when we look at our freedom and what Christ has given us, the way we're supposed to look at this is as, my Father has set me free. My Father has set me free. And what God wants to do, and, and we need to understand this, God is a Father in the sense, like I said, He created us, but He also, and He has given unto man the right that we can become the sons of God. And that is something that I believe the church has not really understood. You know, James, you said that some things is like, um, you know, can, can throw our theology a bit, you know, upside down. But I tell you, I think there's so much stuff still coming that the Lord is sharing in my heart, you know, that you kind of almost scared to say. People, I want to tell you, we've had a wrong concept about God. We've had a wrong concept about God. We've had a wrong concept about man. We've had a wrong concept about why God had man. We've got a wrong concept about who and what we are. 
what man's, what God, God's goal is with man, and all those kind of things. We've made the whole gospel a system of a God that conquered a Satan under which we were slaves, and now we are the subjects of this new God, instead of having a family, family foundation from the beginning and reasoning the whole thing through from the beginning until the end uh, in the context of a God that wants to share his life with us. We've had this, this servanthood or, or service mentality that cannot produce life. So here God comes, and, uh, or Jesus comes, He declares God as our Father, the one that has, uh, He declares Him as not just the one that created man, but as the one that can actually share His life with man. And that is the whole thing. He is the one, if you look at a father in just a physical in a physical sense, a father is the one that provides the seed from where the life is born. And if we say God is our father, we need to say it this way. Forget creation for a moment and just say he is the one that provides a seed and that seed will bring forth a life that is his very life that comes from him. And that is the Father, the Bible talks about, when he, will, when he is our Father. It is greater than just creation. It talks actually about sharing His life with us as a Father. Now, um, if I look at my son, and we look at the physical, and we try and connect that to the spiritual, what did my son do to be my son? If we talk about the physical birth, he did nothing. He did nothing. He, I am his father. It was me bringing forth a son. Me and my wife together, I provided the seed, they are born. If they are my sons, now you can look at my children, you can say, the, this one is his mother's son. Isn't it? Because he acts like the mom, he does things like the mom. And you can say, this one is the father's son. Why? Why would it be like that? That would be directly connected to what that child believes. The one will look at what I say, look at what I do, and whatever, that will be his logic. And as he believes and is persuaded that that is the truth and that is how life is, in an honor and respect for his father, he makes that everything in his heart. You will find that, that he is my son in the physical, but he's also my son in life, in how he thinks and how he reasons. If I look at my children, I can see them in certain places in their life. In Aubrey certain things, in Henry certain things, in Bertus certain things. I see Bertus now. He, my wife decided to buy pillows. And not just one. You know, so <laughs> she decided all, all, everything in the house, we need new pillows. So we buy everything at once. But anyway, so when she got at this bargain, so she had to buy enough. So Bertus, the way he is, and I see myself in him, he's got to take that pillow out now. And then he's going to unzip that thing 
now. Because you can take some of the inside stuff out and set it for you, for you as you wanted and whatever. So he must do it now, right there. And then I see myself. And I feel sorry for him. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because it's difficult sometimes. You know, it's just, and I, I know in that moment, I know how he thinks. I know how he feels. I, I know exactly the joys of it and I know the frustrations of it. Because I can see myself living right there. He is actually, there's something inside him where I can say, this is, he, he has been adopted unto me. He is now sharing my life. Now, when we, let us go and have a look at this Okay, let me first summarize this, then we're going to have a look at the life of God and just get back to the adoption and what God wants to give us and, and this adoption of sons. <clears throat> God has come, He's created man. And in creation, we are all the offspring of God. All of mankind. You don't have to be a believer. You don't have to, you can be a Satan worshiper. The fact that you are a human you are the offspring of God. God made you. Okay? But God wants to adopt us unto Himself, meaning this, that we will not just be something that was created by Him in His image and likeness that function like Him, but that we will be, um, that we will be co-sharers of His fullness of life. And that, He said, He will do. He will adopt us unto that sonship. That's what He wants to do. And that looks in a, in a certain way. Now let's go and look at what God is and who God is. We're going to go to Luke 6. Luke chapter 6. Verse 27. Luke chapter 6 verse 27. I don't want you to, when we read this, I don't want you to look at what God does, but I want you to have the understanding of, uh, try and think, what is God that He can live this way? Okay? We will read from, I, th I think, let us first, um, yeah, let's start from verse 27. It says, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them that despitefully use you, and unto him that smites you on the one cheek, Offer the other, and on him that takes away your cloak, forbid not to take your coat also. Give to every man that asks of you, and of him that takes away your goods, ask them not again. And as you would that men should do to you, do also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love sinners. Uh, for sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also even do the same. And if you lend to them whom you hope to receive from, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners so to receive as much back. But love your enemies and do good and lend hoping for nothing again and your reward shall be great and you shall be the children or the sons of the highest for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. So what he comes here and what he says is he says 
do all these things, according to Luke 6, and if you can do all those things, you will be sons of the Most High. Now, what he was saying here is, in, and we can understand this wrong by actually thinking that by doing these things we can become sons. That's not how we become sons. I will show you now in Scripture how we become the children of God. Here he says, if you look at who God is, this is who He is. If He must be living on this earth in a normal life, this is how He would feel about people. This is the kind of person He is. If you would want to borrow something from Him, He will give it to you. If you steal something from Him, He'll give you more. He will bless those that curse Him. This is what he says. He says here, look at all these things and do all these things and then if you can do all these things, you will be a son of the Most High. Be therefore merciful as your Heavenly Father is merciful. How is our Heavenly Father merciful? This is how He is merciful. He says here, very simply, love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. The Bible says God has got no delight in the death of the unrighteous. You know, when somebody would be lost or die or be eternally dead, you know, when he dies, the second death, God is not joyful about it. God doesn't feel, now I'm punishing you with death for that's what you deserve. He doesn't feel like that. He, he, he loves his enemies, man. He loves his enemies. He agapes his enemies. He loses his breath over. He, 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 he stands astonished at the value and the beauty of even those that are his enemies. He loves his enemies. Now, we can look at that action. Now, that is amazing when you look at that action. But if you see that, you must ask yourself the question, what is inside that being that he can do that? And you will find that what is inside that being is called life. It's called God himself. And the only way we could ever have anything close to that is if this God adopts us unto that by his doing. There's no other way that you will be a sharer in that life. You can just see this. You can just see this. And what Jesus Christ came to do is He came to reveal to man what man is. He came to end what stops man from sharing in the life of God. He came to give the Holy Spirit that can bring forth that life. And He starts to bring forth that life by the Holy Spirit in us now. And we will still see the fullness of this in the return of Christ. Okay. Next point. Let's look at what it says there. It, um, verse 29. And to him that smites you on the one cheek, offer the other. And him that takes away your cloak, forbid not to take your coat also. So here's a guy that you can slap and he'll turn the other side of his face and that is called God. If you can do those things, then you will be, if you can have that life, that would be to have been adopted unto the very life of God. You'll be children of the Most High. You will be the perfect representation of who the Father is. You will be a perfect sharer in the life that God has. Now, if you, if you look at this whole thing, it can sound like all these commandments 
but it is not commandments. What this is actually saying is, it says, be therefore, be on account of this, merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. So what does He do? He comes and says, He doesn't say, do this, and then you will be the children of God. He comes and says, you, you, your heavenly Father is already merciful, calling them already the children of God. And then says to them, behold your Father, see your Father, and from here understand who you are, and the Father will bring forth this life in you. He goes on, he says, judge not, and you shall not be judged, condemn not, and you shall not be condemned, forgive, and you will be forgiven. So what he's saying here is, he comes and he says, look at a God that doesn't judge, that forgives, and that gives. That's merciful. This is our Father. This is our Abba. This is the quality of life that God lives. God lives such a high quality of life that nothing we do changes Him. His quality of life is so eternal. And when I explain, it, when I talk about eternal, I don't talk about just unending. I'm talking about beginning without beginning or without end. It can never change. It can't even be measured in time. It's so robust. It's so unchangeable that even if you would slap into his face, he can only be true to who he is. He can only behold the value of the one that slapped him. He can only see the life of the one. He can, when you do something bad to God, He cannot but behold you as somebody that's beautiful and valuable, yet in bondage to something that's destroying your own life and have tears in His eyes and a breaking heart on your, uh, uh, because of your situation and what you are in, wanting to bring salvation to you from that which kills you standing at a place where he is not happy to see your life destroyed. Even if the destructive life you live is to harm him. This is the Abba we have got to do with. This is the God that gave his son. This is the God that we, we've come to deal with here. This is the one that we are facing. And to him that smites you on the one cheek, offer the other, and him takes away your... Your, your cloak, forbid not to take your coat also. Give to every man that asks of you, and of him that takes away your goods, ask them not again. Now that is a, a difficult thing, you know, for us in normal life. We've had this thing of God, just if you've given you something, He's a righteous God, He wants something back, this, 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 and we've defined the righteousness of God inside a law-based religion instead of of defining the righteousness of God inside a loving Father. You know how righteous God is? God is so righteous that if you would curse Him, He'll bless you. That's how righteous He is. That's wherein the righteousness of God is revealed. If you curse Him, He will bless you. Bless means to speak well of. If you curse him, he will bless you. Now that doesn't make sense. You might even then say, does that mean everybody will be saved? No, it doesn't mean that. You can still take the blessing that God says over you. You can curse him and he will just say, I love you, my son. 
you are beautiful to me. And you can still not believe that and continue in your life and die. But it doesn't change who he is. He remains true to himself. And we need to look at, when we look at these things, when you look at this Abba we have, when you look at the high quality of life he has, we can say, Father, you know, that life can, we can only be the recipients of that life, and you can come and live that life in me. Other, other than that, we will never have that life. Because human ability does not possess the, the power to live that life. It cannot. It's impossible. Humans cannot do it. God can only share it. That is the way it is. He lives such a high quality of life. His love is so robust that you can come and you can steal from him. You can curse him. You can spit him in his face and he will speak well of you. You might say, no way. How can, how can a God be, God is too righteous. You can't spit him in his face and he will love you. Well, Go and look at Jesus. Here is God. He came to the earth in a physical human body so that nobody could doubt who God is and how He will act towards people. They took Him, they nailed Him to a cross. While they were nailing Him to the cross, before they confessed any sins, He prayed for them and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. While they nailing Him, He did that. They spit in his face, they took a stick, they beat the crown of thorns into his head, and he loved those people that did that, prayed for them. Had compassion on them. That is what you call uh, eternal life. It is such a high quality of life that it is from eternity to eternity and it's undying. That kind of a life belongs to God. And he has come to share that life with us by loving us with that love and then we can become sons of that love. We can become sons of that uh, uh, quality of life not by you trying to bring forth that life but by Him being your Father. Now I want to read the Greek meaning of the word Father. This is the Greek meaning Metaphorically, the word father means the originator and transmitter of anything. The authors of a family or society of persons animated by the same spirit as himself. Okay, let me read that again. The authors of a family or a society of persons animated by the same spirit as himself. So that would be if we take road top for instance. You know, they come together, they pray, somebody one day decided, let's do this. And he was the father of that movement or that prayer, uh, 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 you know, group in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the mornings once a week. So what does he do? He comes and he had a certain spirit inside him of prayer. And let's pray together, let's get businessmen together, let's pray. And now what he's done is he has come and he is now the father of people that has got the same life that he now lives on account of the very same spirit that caused him to do the thing. So it's basically um, the spirit of this guy who starts it that now lives in the other people and now they are sharing in the very same life. 
Then you call him, that guy you call the father of the movement. So it's, uh, um, when I was in the U.S., I was in Louisiana. It was Louisiana, no, it was Mississippi. The place where they, where they had the, the birthplace of the blues. You know, they, they've got a little stage there, and you know, I went there and I looked at the place, and, and then when you press it there, they place, they've got a little speaker there that's just in, in the bush there, and it just starts to play some blues. You know, and you can just see, when you think of that, and you think of that stage that's, I don't know how many, how old it is, and the people that sang there, and the fathers of, they say, these are the, they were the fathers of music in America. So, when you're there, there's just something special about someone who started this, and the spirit that was in him, the spirit of just this music and jamming together and whatever. It's, it's just inside him. And now we find that's, that very same spirit in other musicians. And they, you, you, you just see the guy who started it, he's dead long ago. But he's still alive in these people. For they are sons of that guy. And that can only be someone is your father, not when you copy him. Father means if the same Spirit that gives you the life is given to the other one and animates, brings forth life, the very same life in that person. That is the only way wherein God can be your Father. In no other way. Let me read a little bit more here. It says, one, this is a Father, one who infused his own spirit into others who actuates and governs their minds. That's a father. One who infused his own spirit into others and therefore governs and actuates their minds and their thoughts. That is a father. So, when we look at Father's Day and we look at our our God, whereby His Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. What does that mean? What does that mean? Here comes Paul, and in a state wherein he sees a body that is dying, where he sees shortcoming, nakedness, peril, the sword, persecution, people not liking him. The greatest apostle of all, at the end of his ministry, has got Timothy, you know, that follows him, a teenager. People don't want to believe in him. He went to Asia, a lot of people believe in him, and after he preached there, he came back, Judaizers came in, and they all turned their back on Paul, and he didn't have one person in all of Asia believing his message. His ministry wasn't that successful. His life was, in certain things, falling apart. People would look at him and say, he's just as radical crazy guy that just upsets everybody and he was beaten by the Jews I don't know how many times we you couldn't even see God's protection on his life because you know when he's on a ship the thing sinks and then he's on some driftwood comes out and then a snake bites him this Paul you know where's God's protection in his life where's God's, but that guy in the midst of all those things, writes Romans 8. And he comes and he says, you know what? If God is for me, 
If God is for us, who can be against us? And he explains what the whole thing is. He says, the spirit that dwells in us now is yearning and longing for the manifestation or the adoption of this sonship, wherein Paul has got, is so radical, wherein he says, even if I don't see all these things manifest in my life today, the fact that I have the spirit that is inside God, that came into me when I believed upon him, the spirit that says, I'm innocent, the spirit that says, God is my Abba and my Father, not that I'm a copier of God, or copying God, or trying to imitate Him, but that God is the one that actuates my thoughts, He's the one that brings forth life in me, the good I see in my life now, is Him bringing it forth, and He will even prove this sonship by taking my mortal body and making it immortal. Glory to God, man. That is what you call the gospel of Jesus. On Facebook I said in the week, if you've made somebody scared of God, scared the hell out of Him when it comes to hell and the devil, and you got into your church and He's really serving well at your church, you haven't evangelized. That's not evangelism. <laughs> That's slavery, man. That, at least it grows and you can take up an offering. But, uh, but that works sometimes in the sense of getting people in, but that's not what sets people free. Evangelism is to preach the good news that God will come and give you His Spirit and be your Father. Now let us go and read John chapter 1 and verse 12. How do we become not just, how are we not just the offspring of God, but how do we have the very life of God in us? John 1 verse 12, it says, But as many as received Jesus, to them gave He the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. Okay, so how do we become this son of God? How do, you, how do you come to a place where you say, God is not just my creator, but where he becomes the father of your thought, the father of your mind, by him actually putting his spirit in you and so share his life with you? How do you get that right? How does it work? This is the way it works. Because of our design, we function by belief or persuasion in our heart. You need to believe something for it to enter your heart. This is how it works. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become, that power means authority, to become means to be born from or to come into being, the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, let me explain to you how simple this is. Simple, yet very complicated if you want to reason it from a law perspective. So, we have got the, we receive the power wherein we can, by His Spirit, be raised up in His quality of life, which was even displayed or talked about in Luke 6, seen in the life of the Apostle Paul when he was sitting in his own feces in jail singing praises to God, a life that cannot be imitated, what will give you the power to have that life? It says, when we believe upon Him. Now, 
and even on His name. What does that mean? What does it mean to believe upon Him? To believe upon Him is this, to have a mind that rests in His integrity. When you believe God, you believe what He has promised that He will bring it forth. Now the question is, what has God promised? God has promised from before time that you will be holy, blameless before Him in love, which is the adoption, which is God adopting you unto His life. That is what He's promised us. He's promised us that. From before time, He promised man that He will take dust of the earth, which is in the, in, in the, in the temporal, He will elevate that, exalt that, put that in the eternal, wherein the life that has no beginning and no end, the robust love of God, will be born into us by Him promising us that He will give it to us. And what do we do? Those who can believe that, they have the authority or the power, how? By the Spirit of God, bring it forth in us. So what is our part in this whole thing that we can have access to that life of God? Very simple. Just believe that He will bring it forth in you. Believe that He will give it to you. It says, those who even believe on His name. What is His name spell? The Bible says, and I think it's Matthew 1, 27, you shall call His name Jesus. Why? For He shall save His people from their sins. So whose job is it to save you from sin? God's job, not yours. <laughs> it is God's job. He will save you from your sin. Those who believe on the Father that says, He promised me that He will adopt me unto a place where I can behold the beauty of people, where I can behold the beauty in myself, where I can love upon people. He promised that He will adopt me unto that. He didn't come and command me that. For if God would command you to live that life, it will be spelling His stupidity and blindness. Because if God must come and command a human being that is flooded in an inability to have the life of God and tell him, I want you to live this way, on whose side is the stupidity? It's like getting somebody from the street that is a painter, that has never painted. But he calls himself a painter. We've got uh, uh, the guy that, that has been, he's been working for us for years now, uh, um, Lovewell. Uh, Lovewell, one day we said to him, Lovewell, Paint this room. Love will shouldn't paint, man. He's made, you know, he, he, he loves working in the garden. He loves washing the car. He does it with such a joy. You can see an excitement when he does it. He's laughing. But give him a brush. Man, he, he can't go the line anymore. He fast with the, and he button. <laughs> He's a bit rough when it comes to to, to painting. Now, if I expect Lovell that has never painted, that was driving bulldozers, that's what he did for so many years, to be a good painter, who's wrong? I'm wrong. Not Lovell. I'm the one that's in the wrong. So if God comes and He says to a man that's made from the dust of the earth, without God 
bringing forth that life in him, just that man, and command that man to live the way God lives before God will give him life, who's going to be the lonely one? God. Because you know these people cannot do it. But we've had a mentality that God is our Abba, He's our Father, He's this good Father, but He's also one that expects us to do things that He will not actuate, that He will not bring forth or animate in us. So if we come and we look at God as our Father, He says here, those as many as received Him. The word receive means, it's the word lambano, which means to grab a hold of with a purpose to make use of. So when I grab a hold of Christ with a purpose to make use of everything He's come to do, which includes that He says He will save us from our sins, He will be the one that brings forth our, He will be the, the, the word of our Abba, the seed of the Father, then the Father will bring forth that life in us and He will be the Father of love in you. And He calls you, He calls Himself your Father. So He's not your commander, He's your Father. He says, I want to father you into my love. I want to father you by my love and I want to be your Father in the sense of I'm the one that brings that life forth in you. Glory to God. So you might say, will I ever attain unto that? That is not even a question you should ask yourself. The question you should ask yourself is, Father, help me to believe. I want to just believe that you can make this true. What did he say to Abraham? There was Abraham. Abraham, he said to Abraham, Abraham, I'll make you a great nation. And in you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. But Abraham didn't stumble through unbelief in looking at the deadness of his own body. But he continued to believe that God can, from that death, raise up a nation. So what does that say to us? This is what it says to us. God has promised us that He will adopt us unto His life. He's even now given us the Holy Spirit, whereby we see the first fruit of these things. Love, joy, peace, and all those things starting to manifest in us by His power. Okay? And yet, where we see the shortcoming, we don't fall short. Or we don't stumble in unbelief by looking at our shortcoming. Or at the deadness of our own flesh. God promised Abraham that all the nations shall be blessed in him. And he was even called Abraham, the father of many nations. And he was called Abraham long before he had any child. And he would say, I am the father of many nations. Abraham, where's your child? You are so old. You cannot even produce children anymore. Your wife is so old. She cannot produce children. I believe that God said, I will be the father of many nations. And that's what I believe. And then when he had a son, he had to go and sacrifice the son, and he could do it in faith. What was the faith? That even if he dies, this God will raise him from the ashes, man. 
So, in the presence, when you've lost your temper, when you've done something wrong, where you whatever, what do you say? You say, I grab a hold of, with a purpose to make use of, Jesus. What is Jesus? His name spells the forgiveness of my sins, my innocence, my union with God the Father. It talks about my sonship. It talks about me as an heir of the fullness of God. And I grab a hold of it with a purpose to make use of it. And what I say in a hard time, when I've done, seen even fruit of the flesh in my life, what do I do? I say, my God has promised me this life. And I see that life seated at the right hand of the Father. There's a human raised from the dead. He was raised from, his sin couldn't keep him down because all the sin of the world came upon Jesus. It couldn't keep him down. Death couldn't keep him down. The keys of, the keys of, of hell was taken away from the devil. It's in the hands of Jesus and he unlocked the door. Amen. So I can walk out into this life and I call God my Father. By the Spirit, I say Abba. And when I say Abba, I say the one who actuates my thought and my thinking, the one who by his seed, which is the message of Jesus, shall bring forth life in me. And this is our Abba. This is the Father that we have. And when we look at this Abba, this Father that we have, we see a father that doesn't give up. We see a father that loves his children. We see a father that cares for his people. We can take this to a place where we can be so practical about this, people. Or we can look at how God loves. How God loves you, how God loves your children, how God loves your wife. Where you can say, when you look at your wife, you can say, God has promised me his life. And the spirit that is inside God, the spirit of innocence, the, called the Holy Spirit, the set-apart spirit, that Holy Spirit indwells me. For when I believed God, I have received the spirit of faith. The Holy Spirit started to indwell me. And that spirit will, through that spirit, I am adopted unto the very love God has for my wife. I'm adopted under the very same kindness as what God has for my children. The very same wisdom, the very same understanding, the very same provision, the very same care. I'm adopted unto that. Glory to God. Amen. <laughs> we are dealing with a God. Now I'm ending off with this. We are dealing with a God that has come to give us his life. Man's effort to duplicate that life was what killed man. Wherein you didn't want God to be the father of that life, but where you wanted willpower to be the father and not God. That kills the church. That kills people. Look at the shooting that there was in America. Guy came in, he had an old South African flag and a Rhodesian flag, walked into a church in America, went to their Bible study, sat there for a while in the Bible study, they welcomed him in. He took a gun and shot nine people. Then they've got this guy in court, <coughs> but he doesn't even appear in court. They had to scare people, will kill him. So he's 
behind her. He, he stands in a little cell. They've got a camera on him, and they've got like this. That's how they talk to him. And then the people whose children was killed there comes and they say, we want to just say, we forgive you. I forgive you for shooting my daughter. I forgive you for shooting my daughter and I pray that the Lord's mercy will manifest on you. We welcome you to receive Jesus. That's talking about being adopted. <laughs> that is God living, man. That's why they call, would call people Christians because of this adoption. But we have in our charismatic or, or just in the church history, what we've done through church is we have looked at it as a standard of living and the end goal is try and go to heaven. Church, I want to tell you, and I'll show, it can be shocking to you, but the end goal is not to try and go to heaven. God's end goal was to adopt you unto himself, which is a glorified human being that has got a body that can give full expression to the fullness of God's life. And this earth shall be glorified, we shall be glorified in the return of our Messiah, Jesus. That is His plan. And if our aim is heaven, people, we don't have an expectation of life and adoption in the now. When we talk about the first fruit of that Spirit, which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, God is your Father. He loves you. So in the time when you, when you don't see fruit, what do you do? Do like Abraham did. You just say, He promised me, I believe. When you do see fruit, you say, This is, I'm adopted unto His life. Thank you, Lord. And we groan, the Bible says. In other words, we're in a place where we don't see everything, but if you don't see everything, it doesn't get us down, for we know He's promised Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for this gospel. Lord, when I preach this message, it feels as if I'm a partaker of heaven. Uh, <clears throat> it feels as if I, I, I can feel you live in me. Thank you for that. Thank you that you have come. No, and you are not a stingy God. But you have come to adopt us unto yourself. Not to give us a house in heaven to live with you. Because that an earthly father can even do that, doesn't even believe in you, buys son a house. But you have come to adopt us unto you, sharing in the very life you possess. And you, as the creator of all things, as God Almighty, that is from everlasting to everlasting, has made a promise. You have sworn that you would give that life. And Lord, the only righteous thing to do in the presence of such a promise is to believe you. Yes. We believe. And thank you, Lord, that we can even see that manifested. And we see the, the first one born from the dead, Jesus. And he is the firstborn amongst many brethren. And that is how we will have your life by your resurrection power. And thank you, Lord, that we can today have the first fruit of it. Thank you, Lord. Now bodies are available for that, fa for that fatherhood. 
Thank you for being such a wonderful Father. In the presence of all of this, how can we stress about things, normal things, in this life? For you, give birth to peace and joy and wisdom and understanding in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, if this message can be believed by people all over the world, we'll find racism die. We'll find bitterness die. We'll find hatred die. We will find the fruit of the flesh being mortified by the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your life that you've come to give us. You love us so much. Amen and amen. Thank you so much, guys. If anybody needs prayer, just come to me afterwards. I'd like to pray for you. Um, if anybody wants to give, you can give on the site there. And have a blessed Father's Day thinking of our Father that gives us life. Amen.